For many years I thought I wasted over 10 years of my life. I mourned and grieved for all the time I thought I had lost to depression. All the time I wasted. More than 10 years of my life that I could have used to further my career as a doctor, to help more people get healthier, to make more money. Thinking about this wasted time makes me still sad sometimes. Can you relate to this? Is there a time in your life where you were stuck in darkness, sadness, strife and struggle? Or maybe you're still there, suffering in silence? with no or not much support from loving and sympathetic human beings? If you are, I understand. And I want to encourage you to keep watching. And here's why. I love to tell you what I learned since then that made me realize that there's no time in this life that is lost. And why I'm now truly grateful for all the time when I wasn't productive wasn't valuable to society, actually cost the healthcare system and my disability insurance and all the other people that paid and are still paying for it quite a bit of money and time. And why I am feeling a responsibility these days to pay back in a good way. Let me tell you about the darkest night of my life. It was a cold winter day in February of 1998. I was lying on the floor on a thin mattress curled up in the fetal position, writhing in pain. I had been put in a small room by myself. The floor and walls were tiled to the ceiling with nothing but a mattress on the floor and a hole in one corner where I could relieve myself. All belts and strings had been removed from my clothes and there was nothing but a thin, thin blanket in this room with me. The steel door was locked and every now and then I could hear someone on the other side lifting up the flap of the window in the door to check on me. I wasn't in jail, although it certainly seemed to me then. They had put me in this room to protect me from myself. You know, my brain had malfunctioned. My mind had spiraled out of control. On that day, I was absolutely convinced that my only way to get out of the crushing emotional pain I felt was to end my own life. This emotional pain, which was worse than any physical pain I had suffered so far, and I had given birth to two children and suffered excruciating physical back pain before, so I was really convinced, absolutely sure, that ending it all was my only way out. And so they put me in this room overnight to protect me from myself, to protect me from finishing what I had tried to do, to stop me from carrying out what other humans, who at this point cared more for me than I did myself, knew was an irrational act something I didn't really want to do myself. They knew it, and I didn't. They knew that this too would pass, and they believed so much in my potential to heal that they decided that I was worthy, that I was worthy enough as a human being to be protected from hurting myself. 
to put resources of the Canadian healthcare system to work for me, to invest in me, a wreck, but still a human being with potential. You may have guessed by now where I was. I don't really remember much about this night in the QT, stands for quiet room of our local mental hospital. I do remember though very clearly the agonizing emotional pain, the utter desperation I felt and the deep embarrassment of being robbed of all my human dignity. And today I'm deeply grateful for the doctors in the emergency room, for the psychiatrists and the psychiatric nurses who recognized that I had potential for the future, who saw something in me at that time that I couldn't see myself, and who cared enough to protect me from myself so I could see another day and have another chance of living a good life and fulfilling my purpose. I am also very grateful for the other wonderful patients who shared the locked inpatient ward in this psychiatric hospitals with me, who treated me like one of them, which I was just another suffering human being. In this ward, I was no longer the doctor, the role model, the person who had it all together, the person who thought she had to be perfect to be worthy. I just was another suffering human among many, using the same washroom with saloon doors without locks. We were all wandering the same dimly lit hallways at night up and down, driven by the unrest of an unsteady and unhappy mind. We were taking turns looking out of the small barred window at the end of the hallway, overlooking Halifax Harbour seeing the ships sail in and out, thinking about, if I was thinking about anything at all, how I was no longer part of this normal world. I had arrived. Arrived at the bottom of what any human can achieve. Involuntary confinement to a psychiatric hospital taking away a person's basic human rights and freedoms is only legal to protect others or the person themselves. At that time, I was truly a mortal danger to myself. These days, I'm still very, very grateful for the people who during these dark days protected me from taking the life of my teenage boy's mom my future husband's wife, I didn't know him then yet, my parents' daughter, my brother's sister, and maybe even from taking your opportunity away of meeting me in person someday and from you reading this today. You know, this time, over 23 years ago, marked a milestone in my life. It started a completely new career very different from the profession of the doctor and naturopath I had before. Descending into the depth of human suffering myself, not just writhing and sobbing in physical pain, but in the deepest emotional pain possible, I truly had arrived at what, as I learned later, philosophers and thinkers many hundred years earlier had named 
the dark night of the soul. This is not unique to me. It is part of human experience. Part of the experience of many, many individuals before me and sadly probably of many after me. These days we have a big book that tells us what to name it. They call it the DSM-5. It classifies mental illness of all kinds and gives you one or more labels. Fancy names for how they try to classify your suffering. Try to put your humanity in a drawer. You can probably tell I'm not a fan of this book of labels. The DSM-5, and forgive me if I still have an old number, it may be the DSM-6, 7 or whatever by now. It's also called the Bible of Psychiatrists. It's constantly updated, expanded, and new labels and definitions are added. It started as a big book and by now it has morphed into a hard-to-oversee jungle of numbers, names, explanation, definition and more access, a nightmare for most practitioners who only want to help suffering individuals. And yes, it does have some useful applications. It helps to administer health care and financial disability benefits. And it helps when choosing medications. I'll give you my two cents about psychiatric medications at another time. Having a certain label helps a person access those services. Do we need those labels? Well, I'm probably the wrong person to ask this. Let's reframe this question so I can give you my answer. Did the labels major depression and avoidant and dependent personality disorders sorted in axis 1, 2 or more, later updated to schizoaffective disorder depressive type serve me? Hmm. In fact, they did serve me to access disability benefit, to access psychiatrists, medications and even a wonderful six-week group psychotherapy day treatment program. I needed these services at the time. So yes, they served me in this sense, in the short term, to bridge the time, the gap, until I was better. And I deeply appreciate and I'm grateful that I was able to access these services at a time when I really needed them. Now did those labels help me to grow as a person, to excel as a human being, to truly achieve my potential? Not really, on the contrary. To be honest, having those labels affixed to my forehead and worse, believing myself that I was a depressed person and had depression and that I had schizoaffective disorder and that I was a dependent and avoidant person, which is an unchanging personality disorders, that I'm dependent on other and avoidant Avoid what? Life? So having believed in the validity of those labels hurt my personal growth in the long term and lengthened the time for me to become the person I am today. So did I or the system or the society really waste more than 10 years of my life? I felt like this for a while. I blamed others. I blamed myself. But I don't think so anymore. You know, nothing happens without a good reason. But you know, 
here's a caveat. Take it with a grain of salt. I realize that this is my experience. It can't just be generalized and doesn't apply to everyone. So if you think you need your label at this time in your life, I honor your belief. You are probably right. And you probably do need it right now. And it is okay. But here's what changed my mind about my own labels. It was not the current medical system, nor my psychiatrist, nor my psychotherapist, and certainly not the medication I was prescribed and that I took for many years, believing I needed them. What changed my mind was my own self, my inner voice telling me that I was more than a label, that I was a human being with near infinite growth possibilities. The same inner voice that had actually kept me from actually finishing the act of taking my own life when I thought that's what I wanted and the voice that instead directed me to the local mental hospital. Do you listen to your inner voice? Sometimes it's a good thing to do so. It also was my husband who always loved and accepted me as the person I was, even at the time and continues to do so through all of my changes, even when I myself still thought I was utterly unlovable. Okay. It also was reading books, journaling about it, thinking. Reading books like Feeling Good by Dr. David Burns, Siddhartha by Hermann Hesse, books like the Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran, books like On Becoming a Person by Carl Rogers, books like Psychiatric Medication Withdrawal by Dr. Peter Bregan, books like Change Your Brain, Change Your Life by Dr. Daniel Amen, books like Men's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, and many more. And slowly, over time, I reconnected with life. It's a process. It takes time. In short, over the next years, I reinvented myself again. I evaluated my situation and I took action. I changed things in my life, outer and inner. Becoming better at it over time. Becoming more and more strategic. I changed things about my nutrition. Added targeted nutritional supplements. Added physical movement, although I hate exercise. <laughs> I learned how to love it. Changed things about my lifestyle, worked diligently to change my thought patterns from mostly negative to realistic. And I'm not a fan of just positive thinking. I worked on improving my social skills and daily interactions with others. I changed habits. I found meaning and purpose. And then I took targeted action from there. First small, tiny, baby steps. Then bigger, faster. I learned to run. In fact, I have to hold myself back now sometimes to not to run too fast. These are all things that I now teach my clients in my Recover Your Sparkle and Brain and Success programs and that I help others to implement in their life. Things I talk about in my recent TEDx talk on stage and on my videos. Things I talk about on the BLU talk stage. BLU stands for Business Life Universe, invented by my friend Corey Poirier. 
and things I talk about in my best-selling books on Amazon. Things I talk about in person or most often online with individual clients, with friends, with fellow physicians, fellow coaches, fellow public speakers, fellow business people, fellow human beings. People have told me sometimes that I inspire them to change, to grow, to be their best self, that I am able to help them to find their way, to climb their mountains of life. I'm so humbled, really. I'm no better or worse than any of you. I'm no more special than any of my clients. And I feel deeply honored to meet other suffering individuals where they are in my current work as a coach. People who are going through their dark night of the soul. And I'm also deeply grateful to have the opportunity to sometimes even make a positive difference in someone else's life. I consider it a meaningful responsibility to be part of other people's life stories. I meet others for a reason and it's no coincidence that you are reading or watching this now. To be here for others is truly my passion and purpose. This is what gets me up every morning excited and curious to start a new day. I can't wait to hold the mirror of their possibilities to somebody else. I treasure caring for people, having experienced myself what it means to be cared for by others. And yes, I do feel inspired. The word inspired means literally in breath, in spirit. And this is truly how I feel. Grateful to be a connector, a conduit a connector between life on this earth, between the mysterious human mind housed in a miraculous physical form called our brain and body, and the even more mysterious and truly unknowable universe out there, whatever name you choose for this spiritual entity. Some call it God, Allah, Javi, Mother Earth, the universe the Akashic field, the energy field, and there are probably many other names or labels for this higher intelligence that can lead us and give us energy and guidance if we believe in it. And statistics show that 80% of people believe in some form of higher power, even if my dog barks like crazy right now. <laughs> He's truly inspired too. Oh my God, my dog. For the first 38 years, I was part of the other 20%, put off by traditional religion as I got to know it growing up. I changed my mind about this too over time, as many of us do during the lifetime before death or maybe after death. So sister, are you grateful for your human experience? I would love to hear from you. Reply to this video, comment below or email me and book a free call and let's talk about it. I'm inspired by you.